Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Good afternoon here in Middle Tennessee. Wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, we're glad that you're joining us on this Facebook Live program. We're also broadcast live at the same time on Block Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper. Along with me today is our Director of Operations and Head of All of Our Coaches and pretty much does everything around here that needs to be done. This is Jim Porto, my good friend. He also, in addition, leads workshops for us. And Jim, you just finished one last evening. Yeah, what a great weekend we had, Joe. We had a number of people that came in um, and uh, just a tremendous amount of vision and hope that came as a result of that. Uh, now, some people may misunderstand that and be like, oh, Jim, you have a high opinion of yourself. That's not actually <laughs> what it is. It's just we really believe in, in the process and what we have that's been in play for many, many, many years and literally mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people going through a, an iteration of it. So it's been a great weekend. It was really amazing. Good. We had, and it was a room full. I was in there for a little while on Friday morning, and then uh, I flew over to Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. to be there this weekend. As a matter of fact, hopefully here in, in a minute or two, we will have a couple of callers from Austin that I want to talk to. But in the meantime, remember that if you ever would like to know what we do or know more about what we do, we are called Marriage Helper. But we work with anybody in kind of any kind of a situation that has to do with relationships. And we primarily, most of the time, just because of the fact that so many people contact us, we deal with marriages that are in some kind of difficulty or trouble. And now we're happy to help all kinds of marriages, no matter what. But those are the people that tend to contact us the most. Now, during this program, you can ask any kind of relationship question that you wish. I mean, if it's about parenting, if it's about dealing with your kids, uh, dealing with your parents, if it's about dealing with a, a situation you're single and you're trying to think, what do I do about this side or the other? We'll be glad to listen to your question and talk to you. Now, you can talk to us live by calling us at 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. And that will put you into the blog talk radio part of our program. And as we get opportunity, then we'll take the calls as they come and talk to these folks and try to answer your questions as best we can, or at least help you think things through. Now, Jim, I can't see that screen over there. The, the people that I'm waiting on to give us the call, are they with us? Yeah, we have that couple uh, folks you were talking to me about. Okay. Yeah, well, let's put both of them on at the same time if we can. Okay, there's hopefully. Hey, Tom, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Okay, and what about you, Logan? Are you there? I am here, sir. <laughs> okay, Jim, let me tell me, uh, tell you about these and all the people that are watching and listening. Um, Saturday afternoon, I spoke for a men's retreat in New Brunsville, Texas. I love that place. And it's a beautiful place mm-hmm. down there. And that's where I met these two fellows. Now, they have a unique relationship to each other. Now, Tom actually asked Logan's permission to date a particular woman and then later asked Logan's permission to marry this particular woman. Now, you think, well, that's not so unusual. Is Logan like maybe her father? No, actually, Logan is not her father. So, Tom, you and Logan, can you kind of succinctly tell us a little bit about that story to begin with, and then maybe we can ask you some questions about it? Yeah, Dr. Joe, I uh, I was married to Logan's mom, Susie, and mm-hmm. 
our, our marriage didn't go very well. Uh, we got divorced when Logan was less than one year old. Um, I then got remarried, and that marriage didn't go very well either. Um, mm-hmm. I went through a lot of counsel, a lot of counseling for the next year or so, and learned a lot about myself and relationships and marriage and God and so on. And then uh, ultimately started dating my first wife again, and we ultimately got remarried. And so I asked Logan permission to marry his mom, and Logan is my son. Okay. Wow. Now, did you not also? I'm I'm trying to remember what you told me Saturday. Did you also ask Logan's permission to date his mom? Oh, sure. Yes. I, I actually, before before even thinking about marriage, I asked Logan's permission to date his mom to make sure that Logan would be comfortable with us, you know, being more than just co-parents. And okay. He and, was mm-hmm. about that. and he was only six years, he was only five or six years old at the time. <laughs> so, Logan, how well do you remember that? I I remember bits and pieces. I don't remember the full story, but I remember the whole ideal of my parents getting back together and having the whole happy, good, jolly family again. Okay. So when you, when your dad came to you and said, I want to date your mom, uh, the kind of emotions that you can remember that you felt were, you know, as every kid, I, that's, it's kind of what I expected to happen. I, I never knew anything different and I was pretty excited having that family back together because I I kind of lived two different lives having a uh, pair of divorced yeah. parents. Can I ask you a question or two about that, if I may? When you say living two different lives, can you tell us just a little bit about that, Logan? Well, I, with my father's side of the family, with him and his second wife, I mm-hmm. lived a more serious uh prim and proper life, but with mm-hmm. my mother's side, it was pretty much me and her the whole time, and we just, she became one of those people where I could just goof around with and hmm. pretty much do whatever I wanted with. Okay. So she was your mom, but she also was your buddy, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. So let me ask you one more question, and Jim, please feel free to jump into this. One more question is this. You said you kind of expected that somehow they would get back together. It, you actually, was that kind of a dream that you had? Is that what you're saying? Well, the funny thing is, around this time, the, the movie Parent Trap came out. Uh. And that was, about the, that was about the two girls who got their parents back together. And so uh-huh. I saw the movie, and I thought, well, dang, this this could actually be my reality. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. And so, okay, so your dad finally comes to you and says, I want your permission to marry your mom. Do you remember that episode at all? I I do. I do remember that, and I remember exactly how he asked her and everything. And it it really, it, it was a shock to me. It was a big change of moment in my life. So did you feel altogether positive about it, or was there any apprehensions? It, I said yes immediately. Huh. Okay. And so did you play any part in the wedding? I, I didn't ask this the other day. I'm curious. Did you play any part in the wedding? Well, the coolest thing is the wedding, we were, it was me, the preacher, my father, my, father, my mother, and a hot air balloon uh, pilot. <laughs> so there was about Six people in a hot air balloon. That is so and that's, cool. That's how they got married. 
Okay. It's like we just set some high expectations, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so Logan, how old were you when they remarried? I was eight years old, I think. I'm pretty sure. Eight or nine. Okay, and, and how old are you now, my friend? I'm 17. 17. So you feel pretty good about this, right? I feel wonderful about it. <laughs> so, Tom, may I ask you a question or two here? Tom, um, and I don't know how much you want to say this, I mean, because people around the world actually I'll listen sure. to this. One. That's, okay. But uh, are you willing to tell us any of why that marriage ended the first time? Sure. Um, unfortunately, I, I share this story often because I hope that it helps other people. But uh, I I wasn't ready to be married. I wasn't good at being married. I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't a faithful husband. I wasn't a good husband. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. And um, unfortunately, my wife knew exactly what she was doing. And she was a child counselor by education and all the, all the problems I had, she could see and understood them. And the, we actually went to counseling at the very end and I said, I'm, I'm done and I just need to go. And she actually said, well, I love you enough to let you go. And she let me go. I went and dated again and got married again. And this lady was the exact opposite and that marriage fell apart as well. And then, then I realized yeah. that there were two failed marriages and I was the common denominator in both. Yeah. And so, so I the marriage, a lot of counseling with a, go ahead, yeah. sir. But, but your marriage now, how would you rate your marriage today, my friend? Um, I think it's, as far as I can tell, it's the best marriage I could ever have. Um, we're, <laughs> That's we're, a good answer. He's kind of hedging his best there a little bit. For, uh-huh. Well, uh, sir, I, I mean, I've realized very, I realized early on that marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. And, um, mm-hmm that you have to sacrifice yourself for the other person. And in a lot of people's lives, that's hard to do. Um, and you have to, you have to kind of check yourself every day to make sure you're, you're doing it the right way. And I yeah. fall, I probably fall short every day, but she forgives me and we, we make it through it. But, um, excellent. No, and we had to, and, and, and honestly, Joe, we were both Christians the whole time, but we never had God as a foundation in our marriage. And the, and the, the third time around, God was the foundation in our marriage, and that's why we got married in a hot air balloon because that was the closest place we could be to God. <laughs> I'm not sure it works exactly that way, but but <laughs> that's the way you wanted to. That, Tom, that was our thought. <laughs> that and the fact that we already had a big wedding with 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 bridesmaids and tuxedos and all that stuff, and we still had the pictures, so we didn't really need to duplicate that. <laughs> I got good. you, my friend. Got you. <laughs> hey, Tom Logan, thank you so much for this story of hope, and that's what I wanted to start with today. I wanted people to hear the story of hope, and, and may God bless you bountifully, and, and may things continue to go well for the rest of your lives. Hey, Logan, if he ever decides to not you know, walk straight in there, I call me. We'll come over and fix him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. All right. I'd you appreciate that as well. Thank you very Thank much. You. What a great, that's a great story, isn't it? Yes, it is a great I story. I mean, to be able to uh, to kind of hear it, you know, a lot of times when we go through things, we get the uh, – we don't necessarily see the end result of stuff, you know. Right. And then to, to be able to get these folks to come in and kind of hear and listen to Tom uh, admit some of his, his, his struggles mm-hmm. and then in general talk about the fact that uh, he did something I think a lot of people wouldn't do. Um, and, and we're not laying it out there as an example, a recommendation for you to go out and do that. But, but he thought outside the box of, let me talk to, I mean, it's, 
it's her son and his son. Right. But he realized there'd been a period of time that had passed. Exactly. You know, and so you're, I think people miss this often. Uh, one, if they're standing in a relationship and, uh, and, and obviously in this situation where, you know, it's nothing that's alive stays the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's why we, we see people in the workshop even, and we talk to people in coaching who say things like, I don't know this person anymore. And yeah. everywhere else in life prior to, to marriage, they were communicating. Mm-hmm. while they were changing. And then all of a sudden they got married and they became mom, dad, or they hit their career mm-hmm. and they're still changing, but they're still not communicating change. So when the change is recognized, it's harder to accept mm-hmm. or understand the change. Mm-hmm. Well, what's cool about, I think what Tom did there is to look at Logan and realize, well, he's only six years old, but you know, six year olds are pretty, they're pretty swift. Yeah, they really are. You know, we're hiring six and seven year olds to work our media here because we, <laughs> we sure can't figure it out. Uh, that was a direct shot at our media director sitting <laughs> right away here, by the way. <laughs> but the truth is, is that is that to take the 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 really the vision of saying I want to bring him in with this, and it also shows the truth in the, in the fact that you know kids are not ignorant of what happens in no. their life. No, they're not. You know, people always say they're resilient, and they are. If you knock them off a counter, they bounce. Mm-hmm. I did that with my nephew. I didn't mean to, but, 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 but when it comes to, to these type things, being part of the process is, is important. And I think that's pretty cool. It really is. And, and, and bringing this kid into this and making this child a part of the process was extremely wise. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, so I got to watch them interact with each other on Saturday and they love each other. And I could not see any residual anger, resentment, bitterness in Logan toward his father, mm-hmm. as he just said when I asked him. And it was a little scary to ask some of those questions because I thought, you know, I didn't ask these in advance. The answer may not be what I expect. <laughs> yeah, it's a little dangerous. <laughs> okay. But they, they're very happy. Now, we wanted to start the program with that so you guys can hear stories of hope. We run into these situations all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, we were not directly involved in helping those folks put that marriage back together. We're not the only resource out there. But we get a chance an opportunity, a privilege to work with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. And while we wish that 100% of them had the happy outcomes that you see from these people, it's not. But the people that go through our workshop, about three out of four of those couples actually do make it. And so if you're having difficulties, we'd love for you to call us and you'll see all kinds of numbers come up before we get through the program. And you can call and talk to our client representatives. If you would like to see if there's anything you can do to create hope or maybe hopefully establish some hope in your marriage, no matter what's happening now. Because my guess is this. Oh, and by the way, I met the wife and mother oh, on Sunday nice. at church. Very nice lady. And she walked up and, and I said, is it okay for them to be on the radio with me? <laughs> Probably wise question. <laughs> and she said, yes. And I'm thinking this woman also had a lot to play in this because she had a lot to forgive mm-hmm. and had to learn how to learn tr- to trust again. And we help a lot of people do that. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, the last thing I'd say about that is, is so encouraging and what a vision that sets forth for a lot of people. And that is that, look, we don't want you to go through divorce, but sometimes you don't have that, that choice. Right. right. Okay. Um, you can only choose what you do with that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people look at things like divorce or someone moving out of the house or whatever mm-hmm. um, as the end. I must do something before that. Mm-hmm. And, and my encouragement is to have vision beyond that. That's that, right. That it's an event. By no means does it make it any easier. It complicates things quite a bit. But nevertheless, um, you get to determine whether or not that is an event that occurs mm-hmm. or it is the death of your dream. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a big deal. So it, it, it's cool to, to see this come to uh, fruition. So that's exciting for me to hear. That's, that's very good. Uh, thank you. That, thank you for saying that. I like the way you phrased that. Now, I'm assuming we have callers lined yeah, up. But do. again, if you want to call, the number is 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. So who are we talking beautiful. to now, hey, my friend? We have Adam from Georgia. Adam, you are on with us with uh, Mary Chelper. What's your question, bud? Uh, Dr. Jim, and Jim, it's um privilege. Uh, I love you guys' uh, podcast. I've been listening through them and uh, writing down quotes, and I feel like I'm talking to Paul and Silas or something right now. Um, <laughs> we don't want to know which one's yeah. Paul. <laughs> I mean, if I have a choice, I'm choosing Joe. I just don't like getting beat. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead, my friend. The, uh, oh, no, no. You're good. You're fine. Um, I've been in the trenches now for uh, over a year, and uh either getting good at this or just kind of, you know, numb to it. But um, since I've been with you guys and, Jer- and Jared Pratt, uh, her, she's really, I mean, we're becoming mm-hmm. great friends. And I got two, two questions. Uh, number mm-hmm. one is I've seen more than one guy I'm, I'm on the, the, uh, f- the secret Facebook group. I, I've seen more than one guy ask the same question. Uh, do, do less the wayward spouse wives come home, you know, come back to the marriage than wayward spouse husband and uh you know i hate to do this but i even like went through the i've been reading through the reconciliation stories in the, in the file section and there's like far more you know wayward husbands that stories that came home than than there are uh you know, you know, um, wayward wives that left and came home the, the ratio is like you know i don't know uh, uh three to one or four to one and guys are posting this and so that's being, being a guy whose wife left you know, uh, you get Christina. You're looking for the to read the crystal ball and you know and stuff like that. So that's my first question: what is is there less chance for a wayward wife to come home than a wayward husband? There's no statistical evidence for that, Adam. You see, when you do research, which I know you're not doing real research, but when you do research, you have to make sure that you're looking at, at a, a a group that's wide enough that you can see what's happening with people beyond just a certain circumstance. And so the fact that in our Facebook group, that particular Facebook group, and by the way, for those that are not familiar with that, we have an online course that we offer. And people who get into that online course um, are then invited into what is called our secret Facebook group, which means you're only, you're only in it if we invite you in it. And that's what Adam is referring to. And you're working with Jared. I assume that Jared then is, is coaching you. Is that correct? Yes. And it's things have really turned around since, since the moment I started uh, in, employing you know, his, his techniques and marriage helper we've had like 99.9% positive interaction. Uh, Good. Excellent. Well, Jared's one of our coaches. (laughs) Right. All of our coaches work for Jim, who's here with me. He's our director of coaching as well as director of operations. And Jared's one of our coaches, and we have a lot of confidence in our coaches. And so I'm glad that that's helping. But that's also for those people out there. If you're saying, well, I want to know more about that online course or, or about how to get into our coaching, then we'll have telephone numbers come up here in a couple of minutes, and you can call and talk to one of our client representatives, and they can tell you how to do that. Now, back to the initial question. Um, there is no statistical evidence that I am aware of, and I read research constantly that says that it's less likely for a straying female to come back to a marriage than it is for a straying male. Now, what you're seeing is probably this. Now, understand, you're in a microcosm in that group. It's not a good view of the general population. Mm-hmm. So even if in that group you see a three-to-one ratio where it looks like more men come back than women, that's not broad enough for us to look at that and, and make a conclusion from it. That's just a particular group of people. Now, if you think about it, more men 
leave the homes than do women. Therefore, we're not also talking about the same ratio. So if it was like for every man that left a home to stray, there was a woman that left a home to stray. And then you say, wow, it looks like three times more of these guys are coming back than these, then that would be statistically significant. But we look at it and go, but there's a dramatically stronger level or higher number, I should say, of men leaving homes than women. Therefore, you would expect a significantly higher percentage of them coming back, Mm -hmm. not percentage, number of them coming back because there are just more of them. The percentage might still be exactly the same, the percentage. But the numbers would be higher because there are more men who do that. So I don't have uh, I've seen many women, many women come back who were the string women. And so I don't have any lack of confidence in that at all. I don't think, well, oh, my goodness, it was the woman. Mm -hmm. It's done. We just don't think like that because that's not what we experience when we work with people. And in our workshops, we have a tremendous number of couples come where it's the wife who is the one that's straight Mm -hmm. and still see a 75% success rate in those couples working it out. So, Adam, I don't think that number is one to worry about. Okay. You agree? I totally agree. Especially if you bring in the fact – sorry about that, Adam. Especially if you bring in the fact also that typically women communicate more on on our sites. They mm-hmm. just do. Now, we're seeing a, 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 maybe it's our the words getting out or whatever, but typically we see women communicating more. And often what you'll find is um, when the wife returns or actually when the husband returns, we don't get as many reports of, hey, great things are happening. Mm-hmm. It's like it's fixed and they, they fall off the face of the earth, so to speak. Yeah, they leave our group because yeah. it's like. We now are just focused on us. We're good. And so, so as a result of that, you may not see it. But I think uh, uh, overall, the communication issue with some men being willing to communicate uh, that return at some point um, may be the challenge. You know, Adam, what I hear for you is, is you're looking for hope. And we all need hope. Every one of us need to be able to look ahead and see something that shows a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and I want to encourage you just one thing. I mean, there's a number of things, in, and I wouldn't step on Jared's toes because he is so amazing as a coach. Um, and he's probably told you this, but that is this. Hold your vision. Look ahead to what the vision of the relationship is you want. And it is common to look for help or encouragement outside that. Um, I'd say stop the research in air quotes, um, <laughs> you know, quit looking um, uh, because you might be a little skewed in that. And then, and then second of all, hold your vision. What is the highly detailed mental picture of the relationship you really want to have with your wife? And then you pursue that because truthfully, what other people have experienced or gone through isn't relevant to your relationship. This is your relationship. And that's why this coaching is so powerful as they're working one-on-one with you. We have things we offer that are general, but looking at yours, man, hold your vision, work the, the, the process of what's there, do whatever you can to work your pies to the best of the ability. And, uh, and I have a lot of confidence in the movement that comes as a result of that. Excellent. Okay, my friend. I got one more uh, quick, one more quick question, and, and it's a podcast that you guys did together. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, Jim talks about a couple that's been married for decades. Their kids move on. They're great friends. They go to pubs together, but there's no sparks, so they divorce. Well, I've been encouraged to become great friends with my wife in order to get to a spark, and when that's working, we're becoming great friends now. So what's the difference? I mean, uh, what does it look like when it moves to? Uh, spark and i hope i'm not asking another crystal ball question but just when i heard that i thought well that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to get to the so if you've got a couple that's already together and great friends and divorce then how's that different than or how's that going to help me to become great friends and to, to get her back 
Well, again, I would bring that back, if I may, to what I just told you, and that is that, you know, you're basing your movement and your answer on uh, uh, one story, okay? And uh, I don't recall saying that. Um, I'm not pleading the fifth here. Uh, but uh, And he didn't drink a fifth either. I can verify you very <laughs> yeah. sober. Uh, um, but but I, I do recall a client of mine that has that or a previous client of mine that went uh, through a very similar thing, you know, in my opinion. And that is that um, it, it, yeah, a couple things. One, stop focusing or resist focusing on the classification of your relationship, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, are we lovers or we friends or we whatever? Um, I, I think that that we all have heard and we all believe that you should be good friends. I mean, the, it's awesome if you can make your spouse your best friend. Absolutely. Because the relationship is a powerful relationship and it's Absolutely. about friendship. Very good. As a result of the intimate connection, the emotional connection that friends typically make. And when I say intimate, our people keep trying to interchange intimacy and sex. Yeah, not and the same thing. It's not the same. But but rather the intimacy of a closeness of who I can be vulnerable with. You're with that with your best friends well if you can do that with your spouse then you just enjoy the process joe the other day i told one of our uh, one of our clients i said i said stop working on your relationship and live the relationship and basically what i meant by that is it's not a bunch of boxes they said it's going good but how do i know well it's going good yeah yeah let's not complicate this and sometimes i think that's what we do in this i'm not accusing you of that i'm adam i'm just saying um, I would I would let that story just kind of go. It was probably an example, and take a look at it. Your friends and you and remain friends. If you start charting it based on some kind of thing out of Webster's dictionary, you might actually be miscategorizing uh, that, and then find yourself doing things that are adverse to building an intimate relationship. There's very little difference between, uh, you know, this is guarded, and those of you that know me know I'm a little shaky in this. Uh, I say things that come off the top of my head, but, but, but Joe and I, there's very little difference between the relationship I have with my wife and that I have with Joe. We are close. We, we trust each other. We share things with each other that we don't share with other people. We have little inside jokes. Um, yeah. we, we, we think the best. If, if we have conflict, we do it. Those are all amazing things. The difference with, with my relationship with Shannon is we are a husband-wife team, and it goes to a few other areas. Yeah, so, yeah some then, areas we'll never go to. Well, no, not consciously, <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, but nevertheless, the point being behind that is is live the friendship. Now, at some point, hey – you be your friends and, and uh, it's a misquote. It does not anything in there, but I mean, who makes better lovers than friends? So you're going to find yourself moving in that path. Uh, you add value, you continue to add value. It, it has a better uh, possibility, well, no probability of becoming romantic, um, especially because of just the innate desires between mm-hmm. a man and a woman. Hey, Adam, we have to move on. We have so many callers, my friend, but no, thank that's you good. so Thanks, much. Guys, so much. Thank you. Yep. Okay, my friend. Take care, bud. All right, uh, Bridget from Ohio, you're um, live on the show. Welcome. Bridget, are you there? Oh, no, I hit the wrong one. That's not you. Sorry, Bridget. There can you hear me? Yeah, awesome. we, we can. Hey, I've got to, I've got to turn my, my earphones down a little bit here. <laughs> How may we help you, Bridget? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I had called before, and I, what I'd really like to learn about today is about vilification. And I know you guys are the experts, so I'm hoping you can help me. Um, when I called before, I mentioned my husband saying that he doesn't feel loved or respected, but then when I ask him, well, what does that look like? Can you tell me? He won't tell me. Um, yes. So what I found out 
I, I found out that he's been vilifying me at least on and off for 10 years, perhaps longer. Um, back mm-hmm. then, he did a, he had two emotional affairs. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not the only person he vilifies. Um, he, he does vilify other people, but he determines my intentions. And then when I tell him those aren't my real intentions, he tells me I'm gaslighting him uh, if they don't match his negative projections. He even accuses Bridget, me of... Let yeah. me see if I can remember. We've, we have talked before, I remember. Did, uh, yeah. Help me remember if I'm right about this. Is your husband more of a processor? I mean, a guy who's kind of laid back, makes decisions slowly, a little bit reticent. Do I remember that correctly or incorrectly? No, he's the opposite. He's aggressive, very type A. And he's, okay. um, yeah, so he's blamed me even for his lack of success in his music career, despite the fact that I get my hands dirty helping him in the trenches Um, He even blames me for when he returns to church, you know, so I mean, there's like 10 years of vilification. Is this normal? Do you see other couples who do this or is it normally only associated with the affair? Because he's been in the affair for almost a year now, perhaps more, and he moved out in October. And I want to understand vilification much better. All right. Well, first of all, I'm uh, sorry I confused you with somebody else, um, and and so I got your husband's personality wrong there. So he's pretty much an A type, and but you're also what we would call an A type. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so you guys butt heads over a lot of things, right? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and you're also a very verbal person, very articulate. So when you want to cut into him, are you pretty good at that verbally? You know, I, I try not to put him down, but I used to think that my opinion was always the right opinion. I've been changing, but uh-huh. I, I'm working on Okay. So in the past, at least, you have been pretty able to hit his, uh, his spots to get responses out of him when you were upset or angry or hurt, right? Yes. Okay. Well, well I'm not trying to beat you up for this. I'm, I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm just saying it sounds to me like that this really doesn't have anything to do with the affair. I'm not, and I'm guessing you understand because I really don't know you and I obviously don't know your husband, but it sounds to me more like it's personalities that, that run afoul of each other. Now, can people like you have good marriages, even with those, uh, two type A's, if you will, personalities? The answer is absolutely you can, but these couples tend to have more conflict they tend to be more verbal in their conflict, and they do tend to be more, it's not so much as vilification. When we talk about vilification, we're saying that you're actually turning the other person into a villain. And what I'm thinking you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is not that he's trying to turn you into the villain, but that he accuses you of various things. He points out your flaws to you. He points out your flaws to other people as he sees them. But in vilification, which happens in yeah, the affair, no, he's it's actually- like, all over town, like saying things about me that aren't true. So he is vilifying me hardcore. Okay, that may be his. Obviously, I don't know you. I'm having to take guesses. Could it have something to do with the affair now? Obviously, it could. But if if you've been doing this for 10 years, then it's not tied directly to the affair. It's, it's my guess is a lot more to do with your personalities. But understand that true vilification is you're trying to justify behavior. And true vilification is I make you the villain to justify whatever I do. Now, if that's what he's doing, that's what he's doing. But if he's just saying things about you because he's angry or mad, that's not necessarily vilification in the same sense we talk about it. It's still bad. It's not good at all. But it's not this thing that helps to create this justification inside a person's head. 
Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So like I found in a journal, I actually snooped before he moved out and I've never done that before where he said I have psychosis, which I certainly don't. I mean, so there is, I don't know if that counts as vilification too, or if that's just him being really negative. Um, but yeah, so you're saying that the vilification, the actual vilification, which he is doing is usually associated with the affair and him trying to justify his actions to himself. That's, that's what we talk about when we talk about vilification. But what I'm hearing you saying is that you guys just really rip into each other and that he not only rips into you, but he rips about you, that they put you down all over the place, which could be just a, there's, there's a ton of different reasons that could be happening, starting with your conflicting personalities all the way to, well, I'm not going to get further because if I start speculating, I'm getting wild ideas mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that. But there's a lot of different reasons that could be happening, but that's not the same thing we typically talk about when we talk about vilification. I'm sure it's painful. It shouldn't happen. It's a bad thing, but it's not necessarily the same as the vilification in an affair. Can you talk to me then about the vilification in the affair, which is also happening? I'd like to learn about that. Well, I've already summarized it. It's when in your brain, you actually begin to see only the negatives about the other person and you come to believe those altogether. And in that process, typically wind up not having any valid memories about good things about the other person. And in this process that's happening in your brain, it's, it's justifying you doing whatever you need to to get away from this person, even to cause some kind of damage or harm to that person. I don't mean physically like beat them up. I mean like I'll take all the money or I'll try to take your kids away from you or those kinds of things. And so vilification in the sense of affair typically is happening in the brain. It's not a process where the person consciously decides, hmm, I'm going to put you down. I am going to try to think bad things about you. I'm going to destroy your reputation. It's typically not a conscious decision. It's what's happening in the brain that's justifying the behavior. And therefore, they say all these terrible mm-hmm. negative things, but they really believe them, and they really don't have any memories of the good things at all. So it's a very specific kind of thing that we're talking about in the affair. I think that is happening. How do couples get past that or get beyond that? How does that get better? Only, only if the relationship gets better. And can it get better? Will it get better? The answer is absolutely yes. I vilified Alice terribly when I, I left her. Shannon as well. Mm-hmm. Not only say vicious things about Alice, I said vicious things to Alice, of which to this day, I'm ashamed. I, I, when I sometimes remember some of the things I said, I just cringe thinking, mm-hmm. was I that much of a son of a, to say those kinds of things about her? So, it, the, the problem is not trying to fix a vilification. If you focus on that, you're focusing on the wrong thing. The thing to do is okay. to focus on how, how do we fix the relationship. Then the vilification will fix itself down the line. Would you agree with that, Tim? Oh, 100%. Um, Bridget, who are, who's your coach? Who are you working with? I don't have one because I'm flat broke since he left. Okay. Well, I, I, I would say um, – if if there's a way that, you know, we can help there, if, you know, if you want to give our office a call, maybe we can discover and be creative as much as we can. Um, but in any case, um, this is so specific. Uh, we can give some generalities. Right. Uh, but but a, a really good questions in regards to things you may think are, are virtual for you are actually benign regular behavior and offer a perspective on how he may be interpreting those things. Yes. And that's some of the value that can happen with that. So I, I, um, I don't know your financial situation and I want you to listen with an open mind. What I'm about to say, one of our CRs, um, Amber, mm-hmm. um, is such an inspiration to so many people. Yeah. And when she and her husband were going through uh, some difficulty, 
I remember Aaron, I mean, uh, Amber saying, I did everything I could to get access to that. And all I would say is, is it may not be comfortable. It may cost you some, I think she did garage sales. She did all kinds of stuff right. in order to get to the workshop. Right. Um, and, and all I'm saying is find a way to get there. We want to give you as best help that we can. Of course, we have to pay our coaches in, as a result of that, but we just want to help you. We want to help you any way we can. Um, I would also tell, go online to our resources and take a look at limerence. And one of the, the characteristics of limerence is a vilification. Right. And so the number to call our office for for everybody, including Bridget, is 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. And you can ask to speak to one of my client representatives. When you hear us say CR, that's what we're referring to. Right, that's what I said? Yeah, well, we, I do it all the time, too. We're so you. <laughs> <laughs> like you can call and ask it. Hey, I can speak to it. May I speak to a CR? That's fine. We understand that or a client representative and they will do the best they can to work with you. We do our best not to turn anybody away because of money. Now, like Jim said, we have some, some costs we have to cover because people want to pay their mortgages here, mm-hmm. but we'll do our best. We'll do our best to help you in any way we can. Yeah. So don't be afraid of the questions. You say, I got no money. And they say, okay, cool. Let's talk about your cable bill and how much you smoke and how many times you go out a week. No, I'm just playing with you, but not really. Um, in any case, thanks for your call. Appreciate it, Bridget. Rebecca, you um, have a question for us. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Yes. Hi. Rebecca. Hi, uh, hey. and Jim. Thank you for taking the call. Um, how, can you mm-hmm. hear me? Yeah. How, how may we help okay. you today? Um, um, well, I'm I'm been doing the, the pies and um, really working on myself um, doing the four horsemen, which was pretty devastating for myself, uh, hmm. realizing how many of those I was guilty of. But uh, I, I'm feeling like a doormat a lot these days. Uh, it seems like my being safe for my husband is it seems like it's only enabling him to keep thinking how he's behaving is okay. It's uh, like a brick wall and entitlement and justification is still in place pretty pretty hard. And he's subtly resentful and sullen and distancing and no willingness to discuss things important about his behavior uh, during mm-hmm. the affair. But home, but he often travels for work and only contacts me when he something. Uh, mm-hmm. I give him bricks and uh, often don't feel very good doing it. Uh, he doesn't seem safe to me and he's only returned a very few small ones for months. And, and so my question is, is there anything I can do to help move us uh, out of this place? It, it seems like it's very stuck. Okay, let me make sure I understand what I heard you say, okay? Is the reason that you feel, and if this is not what you said, correct me, okay, but what it sounded like was you said you feel like a doormat in the sense that you feel that you give and you give nothing and you get little to nothing in return. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, like I'm getting, like I'm being used for what uh, he can use me for, not getting nothing in return. Okay, but but not in the sense that he's treating you badly, like screaming at you threatening you, things like that. It's the fact that you feel you're being used as opposed to you're feeling uh, threatened, correct? Right, uh, but uh, okay. I've yeah, I just wanted to make sure. that for quite Yeah. 
he did do that for quite some time, so I'm not sure I can trust him not to go there again okay. because his mindset that he had in place while he was having the affair is still there, and it's, I guess maybe that's why I don't feel safe. Okay. Well, we definitely want you to be safe. Yeah, being safe is an extremely important thing. Mm-hmm. So when, when people talk about things like, I'm afraid he might hit me or he might do this and that to me, we always say, don't be that kind of doormat. As a matter of fact, we don't want you to ever be a doormat, period. That's not what we suggest. But if there's a situation that needs to be rectified, if there's something you need to do to be safe, then we beg people, be safe. Now, when it comes to that second thing, okay, I feel I'm being used. A lot of this has to do with how you think about it. Mm -hmm. For example, if you feel you're doing things, but you don't really want to do them, but maybe you think we're telling you to do them, or maybe you think that's what you have to do, or et cetera, that's when you wind up feeling used. It's when you do the things that you choose to do, and then even if he does not reciprocate, even if he does not reciprocate, you know in your mind, I'm still in control of my behavior. I'm still in control of my life. I decide what I will do and what I won't do. And so I have this, what we would call self-determination. If you can get that in your brain, like I'm not going to do just anything and everything he wants just because he wants me to. I'll make my choices about what I will and won't do. I'm going to try to be smart. I'm going to try to be wise. I'm going to be kind, but I'm doing it based on my decisions, not based on what he's demanding. Then you can really turn around that sense of feeling used because then you know I'm really in control of myself here. And at any time, you can choose to do differently. And if he reciprocates, great. If he doesn't reciprocate, it's still like, that's okay. I'm still the one making my decisions. And I'm doing this to you not because of you. I'm doing this for you or helping you with this because of me, who I am, what I am. And then you feel better about yourself. Jim, what's a better way we can say that? I'm not sure I'm explaining that. You know, I can't think of a better way. I'll offer an example. One time my dad told me something, and and, – my dad, he used to have, I used to call an entourage. Every time he would go out and eat some way, there was eat somewhere, there'd be a group of five or 10 people who would be around him. They just seemed to show up when it was meal time. <laughs> and, uh, and dad would always buy. And for some reason, it started bothering me. And I remember having a conversation with my father. And I said, I said, dad, I don't understand it. It really angers me that these people are using you. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, all they do is show up when, when they're not doing anything for you other than emptying your wallet, you know, and, and, and you're buying their – I just – it bothers me they use you. And he said, they're not using me. I said, yes, they are. They're taking from you. You're, uh-huh. They're giving you nothing in return. He said, Jim, that's my choice. I'm buying that for them. What their intention is is between them and God. Hmm. But he said, for me, this is how I'm in fidelity to who I am. And so in my mind – they were using and abusing him, but my perspective, my father's perspective on that was, no, I, this is what I do. This is who I am. It's my values, and uh, and and when he was ready to quit, he quit. Exactly. So that's the only I was thinking of when you. Were I talking. think that's a great illustration of that, and that's what we're saying. You, if you do those things where you feel in control and in charge, then you probably will not feel used, and and please don't I, feel I that think, you have to do things you don't want to do. I think. Uh, Joe, that might be my biggest problem. Um, I come from, um, actually, both of our families where there's a lot of verbal abuse, especially uh, of the women. And so it's like a a real toxic uh, upbringing we both had. Uh, And actually, he was the one that rescued me from my father, so to speak. Uh, And then he turns out to be a really unsafe 
place of, I guess, um, maybe building up my self-confidence? Yes. Uh, or yes. I think it's been real tough. Mm. I am so sorry for your pain. Yeah. Believe in yourself, my friend. Believe in yourself. Now, if you want to talk to like one of our female coaches, for example, that might be able to help you with that. Male coaches could as well, but you might prefer a female. Our coaches will help you with that, or if you've got a good therapist, they can help you with that. But please believe in yourself, and and please don't think that you have to do what other people want for you to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. You are worthwhile and valuable just as you are, mm-hmm. and you don't have to do anything for anybody to be worthwhile and to be valid. Now, I'm quite sure that you're the kind of person that's going to do good things for people anyway because you're a good person. But it's not. That's not what makes your value. Your value is you. And please, if we can help, call us. If if you want to get a therapist there that helps you specifically with this, call him or her. But please get whatever help you I can. I have Jared. Yeah, I have Jared, oh, Jared. and I'll, I will definitely okay. have a call okay. and, and go over well, this with him. Please do. And, and Jared's excellent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank Jared's you excellent. Much. Thank you. Thank you. My heart breaks for that. I know. Every time I hear, you know, what's going on with those kind of things, it just it just breaks your heart, you know. And especially people who are sensitive um, in, a, in a really powerful human-like way. I'm sensitive. I want to do well. And, and, and you're not getting anything in return. It's a powerful place. You know, I'm going to back up on something I just said. I first suggested to her that I thought maybe a female coach because I'm thinking maybe her experience with men. But now, as soon as she said, Jared, it hit me. No, maybe it's even better that it's a man Mm -hmm. helping her know that you have validity and value and worth. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jared's excellent. too. Yeah. He's just good. He's a good guy and and is kind of overseeing a lot of our admins right now, helping them to stay on track. Uh, And uh, so thanks for the hard work there, Jared. Um, and thank you for your call, girl. I hope we can help you in any way that we can. We have Alex from um, California. Alex, welcome to the show. You're here with uh, Dr. Joe. You want to have a question for us? Hi, yes. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate your time. Um, my wife and I have been separated for approximately three months. And in that time, there's been very little contact between us. And um, in that time, I've certainly been taking the time for myself to work on myself, use all of your resources and any other resource that I can find. And I still find myself battling the notion that more, the more time that we are not in contact or not speaking, that that's just giving her more time to build up walls and pull herself away. And it's just really hard for me to deal with that anxiety. And I, and I guess you just talked about a little bit um, earlier in the show about having hope in the long-term vision, but I was wondering if you had any other advice to deal with that. So may I ask a question just to clarify is, is it the fact then that uh, she doesn't want to talk to you that she doesn't want to communicate with you at all? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I've asked a few times if she'd like to talk and she says there's really nothing to talk about. And um, you know, I I haven't been pushing just um, telling her that if she ever feels available to talk, I'm ready or I'm willing to. Right. I can understand. I I can definitely understand how it would feel like the longer the time goes, the more she's going to get away from me, not connect with me, connect potentially with whatever, whomever, et cetera. I understand that fear. But if she's already telling you she doesn't want to talk to you right now, how much do you accomplish if you try to make her talk to you if she doesn't want to? 
So I can understand the fear of, wow, we're not really communicating. Therefore, mm-hmm. what's going on out there? Is it actually going to help at all or make it any better if you're trying to force contact? Do you think it would be? No, and I understand that. I really have not been pushing. I have not. I've been telling her, you know, I totally understand. That's fine if you don't want to talk by right. by me and have a great day. I've just been friendly in any type of small contact that we've ever had. Good, good. And so is it mostly what you're calling us about is that fear? Is it what you're saying? Yeah, it's mostly how do I contend with that, with that anxiety, that, that lingering fear that things will never get better or, um, and coupling that with the, the reality that it, things may end up in a divorce. I, I understand that that's a, a very real um, possibility, um, yeah. but how do I not let that overwhelm me and um, keep me from continuing the things that I need to do on myself? Okay. What would you say to that, my friend? You know, I got a question for you, um, Alex, and please don't be offended by this, but, but buddy, do you have a life? Yeah, I've been um, really working on that recently. I've been uh, spending a lot of time with my friends. You know, I have a small mini vacation already planned for next weekend. Um, been Good. going to see my nieces often on the weekends. Um, been picked up reading for fun um, mm-hmm. as a, that I haven't done in a long time. I've been exercising and down to a weight that I haven't thought I would ever reach in a long time. Um, so I'm, I'm really doing it. Thank you. And I actually, uh, thinking about, um, picking up an extra side job. So I'm really doing my best to keep myself busy. All right. Perfect. That's, that's the first question I always ask because I'm, I'm astonished or literally Joe, how many times our clients, they go, yeah, I'm working on my pies. And you say, well, what are you doing? Well, I joined a gym and I joined a church. And that's about it. Right? Everybody gets it. Yeah. When you really find out in the long haul, uh, in, in an extended time, two of the most important part of the, of the pies are intellectual and emotional mm-hmm. in regards to yourself. How much am I obsessing or thinking about right. this relationship? And am I in circumstances where I feel good about myself? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that in a strained relationship. So if all your energies go in there, you're, you're going to tap out, so to speak. Um, so I want to encourage you to continue to work on your pies, get really good at that, resist obsessing on the relationship. And you could talk to your coach about that. And I want to, I want to give you just a little advice, a little free advice here in regards to when you do have an opportunity to speak to your life. The, the, the two of the scary or three of the scariest words you can use in the human language is, can we talk? <laughs> it, the, the, other, the only thing I can think of that, that counters that is this is the IRS. Um, and, and, and because people instinctively, when it comes to that, they get freaked out. Well, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? What's it about? And especially if the relationship is strained, there's going to be an avoidance. I mean, almost across the board. I don't have answers. And it may not be negative. It just might be they don't have any answers. And so can we talk? Oh, crud. What are we going to talk about? Oh, it's going to be this. No one looks forward to it. I'm going to be – I'm just going to be honest for a second, okay? Not that I've been lying before. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, yeah, are you, you trying know. to make some kind of confession here? Right? <laughs> I may need it in front of God and everybody right now. So watch. Shannon and I have an amazing relationship. And if Shannon texts me or calls me and says, when you get home later, can we talk? I'm like, same here, buddy. What, what's going on? What's wrong? Exactly. And I think that's part of the human disposition. You know, we never go, oh, she, we won the lotto. Um, it, it's always something negative. And so I'm just giving a little free, 
uh, just thought process of, of, you know what, what are you going to talk about? And that's rhetorical. I'm not looking for an answer. How about the next time you're together, it's just a friendly interaction. The next time you have an opportunity there, you let her talk because she's not in a place to talk about it. And even if you were great, it might be a little challenging in general. And this makes you a safe place and it changes her. Uh, John Gottman talks about something called the uninfluenced state. And basically what that means is I'm simplifying it in a lot. So, John, if you're listening, which I know you are, um, (laughs) I'm not taking it out of context. But listen, basically it means when your spouse is away from you, they have an idea of what you are like or what it's going to be like. And so when mm-hmm. she's away, if, if it's like, oh, when I talk to him, we're going to talk about the relationship or we're going to she, he's going to ask me how we are or he's going to look for me for answers I don't have, then then that proves that proves an, uh, produces rather an avoidance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and it's just not even in the best relationships people want to do, although it's necessary at some point, you just may not be in that, pl- that place right now. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're doing some of the right things, my friend, but I suggest you listen to it. As a matter of fact, you can go back and listen to this again later. I would go back and if it, I'm suggesting you go back and listen to what Jim said again and think about, okay, first of all, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing those things that are keeping you busy doing good things. Good for you. And then that if you do have those interactions that, that uh, keep being that safe place in the sense of listening. So, yeah, I'm verifying everything Jim said. Hope you heard what he said. Do you think this can help you, my friend? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I guess, um, you know, I, I really am not pushing her to talk. I'm good. Any type of conversation we have is all exclusively over text and it's just focus on business bills, finances, things like that. So yes. in those, con- in those interactions, all I do is say, you know, okay, I'll take care of it. Or that sounds great. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. So good. I'm really trying not to push, but then when when Good. we stop interacting, I can't help but wander. My mind can't help but wander to that place. Yeah. But is it ever going to get better? Is it this is all that it's ever going to be? It, it's really tough mm-hmm. to manage sometimes. I know it hurts because you love her, and I know that that creates anxiety and pain. I get that. Try your best to think positively. We cannot guarantee you, of course, that that the principles we teach and the things you do will put it back together. We can't guarantee that, but we know that that. This system, if anything works, it will work. And so as best you mm-hmm. can, my friend, try to be positive. Think long term mm-hmm. because understand our perspective is so different because both of us went through great marital discord with our wives back in the day. And so we kind of look back and, and now we work with thousands of couples. And so it kind of gives us the perspective of we understand your apprehension, your fear in the short term. But if you could only see it through our eyes, we'd be saying you'd be thinking, well, we really need to be thinking about this from the big picture, mm-hmm. the long term. So try to think like that if you can, my friend. Okay. Okay. No, I appreciate it. Sometimes it just takes a little yeah. encouragement. So I really, I know. really do appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for your call. Appreciate you taking the time. He sounds like a very articulate young man. Yeah, yeah. I, he should be sitting here next to you instead of me. I mean, he's got a great <laughs> voice, too. But, buddy, we'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Let's go to one more call here. I have uh, Rebecca from Pennsylvania. Um, oh, that's the one we all Oh, no, I just did that one. Sorry. No, we talked to Rebecca. Yeah, okay. There. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, uh, Casey, rather, from Arizona. Casey from Arizona. You're on the air with us right now. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for asking. What's your question? Good. Hello? So, uh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Beautifully. Hello? Yeah, can you hear us? I I can. And Joe answered one of my questions last Tuesday, 
and about um, us, me and my husband possibly reconciling after eight months, and he had come to Arizona to visit. We were intimate four times. I don't know if you remember that at all, that conversation. Vaguely, vaguely. Okay, so he comes and he talked about reconciling. He put the divorce on hold. He, um, everything was doing going pretty good. Well, I pushing out of fear of being rejected again about him yeah. changing his mind. So now he went back to, um, he'll answer my calls and he'll answer my texts. And you did tell me to stop doing that as much, which so I have. But now he's telling me we're not really communicating anymore. Like, he doesn't want to communicate anymore. So I'm not sure what I do now. Okay, let me make sure I hear. Did he say that you're not communicating? Or, or I mean, what exactly yeah, did he say? Yeah, he took – so we were – he was back to wanting to reconcile, put the divorce on hold, saying, I love you, I miss you, came out and visited. And then when he left, all communication kind of quit. And yeah. you said that was actually a good thing. Um, well, it's still not happening. And I called him on Friday, and I asked him, I just, I said, I'm kind of confused on where we're at, what's going on. And he said, well, we're not really communicating right now. Like, we're not at that point anymore. So I'm mm-hmm. confused because how are we going to possible, how are we going to reconcile if there's no communication? Okay. Well, obviously, reconciliation doesn't take place without communication. But you may remember, and Mm -hmm. we talk about this a lot, that a lot of people think they're reconciling when they're actually not yet. Because there there are several different phases or steps, if you will, to the reconciliation process. And most people think they're reconciling at the first positive sign. Like, oh, wow, we're reconciling now. And Mm -hmm. and we look at that and go, no, actually, you're just kind of investigating. (laughs) And and yeah, and I think that's what he was doing. Yeah, it's not and unusual. Now I pushed. Yeah, well, okay. Welcome to the human race. None of, <laughs> none of us does it perfectly, okay? And so don't go yeah. beating yourself up like, oh, crap, I got that close. Don't, don't do that. We all screw up, okay? Yeah. Every one of us. But typically, when the investigation process takes place like that or begins, it's not unusual for the person to quickly pull back because now they're thinking, what the hell did I do? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. And, and like, maybe I want to be there. Maybe I don't. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking that. And so particularly with guys, it can happen both ways, but particularly with guys. So then they pull back because now they got to think all this stuff through. And guys typically think out loud. And so it might yeah. be he's going to be sitting at a bar having a beer with some guy he doesn't even know, saying, you know, and then I did this, and then she said that, and then the other guy's sitting there thinking, I don't know you, buddy, but as long as you're buying the beer, I'm listening. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. so it's not unusual for him to do what he did. Okay, you're pushed. We suggest, at least I do, Jim may have a different suggestion. He's a coach. I'm a teacher. The idea is be a little patient here. Give him some room. And when he next communicates with you, good. Okay. It doesn't mean that you give up completely. That's not the thing. It just means give him some space. And when he next contacts you, don't push. Just be friendly, be wonderful, be kind. And, and it may well be my friend that in the next month, two months, three months, he comes back and visits with you again and you're back in bed with each other again. And this time, this time you actually go a step further than that because it really is a process. Yeah. 
Jim, you, you uh, know a lot about that. You're dealing with yeah, some coaching I, all the time. I can't say anything other one. Only one thing I'll add to you is, is, is not to yours, um, Joe, but rather to Casey. And that is Casey. I would do everything I could to resist evaluating yes. your place based mm-hmm. on events. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, he came home. It was a great weekend. What does this mean? It means he came on and it was a great weekend. Yes. It doesn't mean anything else beyond that. And because we're looking for hope, we get the glimmer of it. We get excited about it. And then we actually create, if we're not careful, I'm not saying you did this, but it is not unlikely for someone to then create an alternate universe of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then the reality of, of where it is happens. And then their expectation is let down and it's not, and then they're mad at the other person. And and it wasn't the other person. It was, I I created a fictitious um, result of what was happening there. So whether he is beautiful one day and then attacking you the next, and, and I know that's not where we are, but either way is resist for anybody listening, resist evaluating your relationship on daily interactions. If I was on a diet right now, which I am every Monday, um, uh, <laughs> my, my, my weight coach told me, he said, Jimmy, do not weigh yourself every day. Mm-hmm. He said, don't weigh yourself yeah. every day because you'll start evaluating the effectiveness of your workout on what um, on those daily interactions. And so many things impact that. So many. Stop. He said, weigh yourself maybe once a week. And then he said. Or for me, once a decade. Once a decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of change that happens there. Um, but he also one of the other things he said to me, because I started talking to a nutritionist. One of the other things he said is he said, uh, he said, you might want to quit evaluating it based on weight. Uh-huh. Because it's not an accurate evaluator, maybe what you want to start doing is looking at body fat composition or looking at how you feel in your clothes. And I was like, hmm. And so maybe what you want to look at is a different way of evaluating how the relationship is going. And that's where our coaches shine. They give you, you know, this this example of how you can do that a little better. Are you? uh, I I get that. He just so he's confusing. One second, like he's telling me, just give me time. Be patient with me. Let me work this out. There, he's telling me, you can't help yeah. me. Nobody can help me. I have to figure this out. But then the next sentence, I asked him, because I owe the attorney $1,000 to keep him on, like, keep him on. And uh-huh. I said, you, you know, should I pay that? And he said, well, if yes, because if you don't pay it, how are we going to finish the paperwork? So I'm like, I, uh, it sounds like you already I, have I your wish- mind made up. Well, again, I wish I had a rewind real quick and, and could play what I just said to you. Yeah. There's an evaluation happening. No, are, are you catching it or no? <laughs> and I, it's I, not, I you're not, by I the am. way, you're not especially seems... crazy. You're crazy like the rest of us. Yeah. We're all in the same boat yeah. here. It's easy for me to give this assessment because I'm not in the middle of your turmoil. All right. Um, but I'm telling yeah. you, that type of thinking will frustrate you. That kind, that type of thinking is going to uh-huh. lead you to a place where you are. You're going. He's confusing me, and as a coach, I may challenge. You're actually confusing yourself because you're setting your expectations on the wrong things right now. Yes. No. I totally. I agree. I, my expectations are definitely out of whack. So. Yeah. No. So I that's get what you're one saying. of the things that you want to really look at, um, Casey. You want to take a look at, at at where are your expectations, and and if you're not with a coach, I want to encourage you to get with one, talk with them. They can help you establish those expectations, so you're in the right place at the right time. And sometimes, one of my mentors told me one time, Joe. He said, "You can do the right thing in the wrong time, and you know what you get." 
the wrong thing. The wrong thing. Yeah. And so you may, that's the key thing. It's when I'm doing things and not just how, and is it in the right space? So Casey, I want to say thanks for calling. We do have to move on. I appreciate that. I think we have time for one more caller. Is that one more caller. Hey, so just a day at a time, my friend. Okay. Got it. All right. Cool. Okay. Oh, sorry about this. Uh, we have, um, by the way, for those who might be interested in coaching while Jim's going to this, remember you can call us at 866-903-0990. I think uh, we'll get that up there. Jess, you'll put it up. There you go. 866-903-0990. And you can ask to talk to one of our client representatives, and they can tell you all about our coaching that Jim was just talking about. All of our coaches work for Jim. He's their direct supervisor in addition to doing so many other things here with us at Mary Helper. And you can kind of get some of the idea here about how the coaching goes based on the wisdom you hear from Jim. They will not tell you what to do, but they'll teach you a little bit, and they'll ask you lots of questions and help you think things through. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. We have um, Jennifer from Missouri. Jennifer, we have a few minutes left in the broadcast today. Um, what is your question? Thanks for being with us. Uh, yes. Uh, my my situation is a little different than something I have heard before. Uh, we've been married 20 years. Uh, neither one of us think would go through divorce, but we currently are pretty miserable. Uh, hmm. For some reason, over the past two or three years, uh, my husband has questioned uh, trusting me uh, to the point where if I say I got home a half hour ago, it'll be, oh, I saw you 20 minutes ago in town. Who were you meeting with? Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like everything I do is being examined. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know how to react to this because obviously we go through the motions of life. And we have good times together, and we still live in the same house. We have two grown children, and I feel like his uh, feelings towards me is influencing also their relationship to me. I don't know what to do to establish trust. Okay. How long has this been going on? You know, I would say about four years ago I started seeing a little of it because at that point in time he started questioning more. I always paid the bills. And he started taking more of an interest, wanting to see all the details there. But within okay, the last so it hasn't three been, years, it hasn't been all twenty years. It's just been for a few years. Correct? Oh no, no, no! That's just, and it's 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 getting worse. Okay, and mm-hmm. was there anything else that happened about that same time that he started doing this? Any job loss? Any loss of uh, a father dying? Anything? Any loss? Any major change in life about the same time he began to question? He did lose his father. That, that about the same time? In yes, okay. and uh, our children were moving away from home. But, uh, I mean... So what it sounds uh, like, now you understand, we cannot psychoanalyze your husband, okay? And, and therefore... I've got to be very careful what I say here because I don't want you to think that I know exactly what's happening because I do not. But when you see a person and, and your husband, if you've been married 20 years, I'm going to guess your husband is uh, 40-ish. Is that correct? He he was prob we got married a little probably closer to fifty ish when this started happening. Okay, so he's now like fifty four, fifty five, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What what's going on probably you understand, I am not a psychiatrist, uh, but what's going on probably is not about you. 
What's going on is that you've had a man that's gone through several losses. And as a man particularly, it can happen to females as well, but as a man particularly gets older, it's like, I don't know if I have time to recover. Mm-hmm. If, if this is happening and that's happening and this devastation occurs to me, I don't have as many years left as I once did. And therefore, you become more insecure, more worried about, I've got to hang on to what I have. So while I'm sure that this is very frustrating to you and, it, and it's like you take it personally, like, why doesn't he trust me? My guess, and I'm, I'm admitting this is a guess, my guess is that it's a lot bigger than about you. And the way that it's manif- or the reason that it's manifesting toward you is because he loves you so much and he's afraid of losing you. Now, he may not be acting loving because of his fear, his apprehension. But, but this is probably the fact that he really loves you and he's afraid of losing you. And this is a part of a much, much bigger picture. And so you probably won't be able to help fix this. Now, trying to understand him, trying to appreciate him, that can go a long way. And when he questions things like that, just look at him and say, honey, I am uh, sorry if that somehow made you worry. Let me assure you of something. I love you. I'm going to be with you until death do us part. And, and uh, I, I hate that you somehow misinterpreted something that I did because I never want to make you feel that way. Mm-hmm. So just reassure him, reassure him, reassure him, because my guess is that's what's going on. It's not about you. It's about life. Now, that won't fix the whole thing, but that's the part that you can play in helping this. Well, it even got to the point where if I visited somebody, he would try to figure out who the neighbors were. And if I was in somebody else's house, I mean, there are times that I'm just like, I feel like our whole relationship, he filters it through this mistrust of me. Well, well, it's not just mistrust of you, in my opinion. I'm just guessing, but I think it's about life in general. Do you think he would go see a counselor or a therapist about this? Everything with counseling. We early, early, early on in our marriage did some marriage weekends and counseling, and he just thinks that it's just kind of uh, touchy-feely stuff. He doesn't really appreciate it much. Okay. Well, I'm so sorry for the way this makes you feel. I'm sure that you feel mistrusted. You don't feel valued, uh, all those kinds of things, and I know that's painful, and, and it's hard not to take this personally. But I, based on what you told me, I think it's a much bigger picture of life, and it's just getting focused on you. And it's not because he doesn't love you. I think it's because he does love you. If you could get him somehow, maybe even talk to his physician and say, hey, male or female physician, you know, here's what Charlie's going through, my husband's going through. I don't know his name, of course. I just use the name Charlie all the time. But this is what my husband's going through. Is there some way you can help us? Is there somebody you can talk to, somebody that can help him? Are you guys part of a church, for example? Uh, yes, but again, the last few years, his involvement has decreased drastically. Okay, so he wouldn't be willing to talk to one of the pastors then? No, I don't think so, no. Okay. I, well, again, he uh, has mistrust of them, too. It's it's like yeah. he has a mistrust of everybody. Everybody. Well, it's this is a problem I hope that he gets help for, but I don't know how. The only thing I know you can do, I already said, reassure him every way you can but this is probably going to not get better until he gets some kind of help to help him deal with this bigger picture of life thing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your pain and for his. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Jim, situations we run into all the time are not always marital situations, but they 
often wind up affecting the marriage. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, the the truth is, the you know, we're created to interact. Yeah. No one's well. I mean, if you've ever watched the movie Cast Away, you realize if you were up on my stuff on an island, you're going to create a Wilson. And you're probably going to get in a fight with Wilson. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the interaction, a lot of times, is based out of how I see myself, um, especially the interactions that you have in the family as children. You know, mm. we... We have the research behind it. We're actually teaching in our workshop now of the fact that, and I was so grateful when you brought that into the workshop, is the fact that you cannot separate the impact that the parents' decisions and things that are happening in parents um, impact children. And not just we always think, well, you know, the teenagers or whatever, but even, even in children who are out of the home. Yes. Um, 20s and, and things like that, or how those 40s. decisions mm-hmm. are affecting mm-hmm. their future relationships and current relationships. Mm-hmm. And really, it's, it's stuff that's inside of me. Um, mm-hmm. You just can't get away from that. Right. We'd love to help you guys with your relationships. You can find us online at marriagehelper.com, as you can see there. And there's our number on the screen. If you're looking at the video on Facebook, if you're listening to us on Blog Talk, it's 866-903-0990. And uh, let's see a couple of things you want us to go through here, Jim. Can you see all that? I sure can. You know, check us out on our <laughs> Facebook page. It's Marriage Helper on Facebook, Marriage Helper. Just look at it, and you'll see it come up with our little logo. In addition to that, if you're into YouTube, we have a YouTube channel there the same way you could just search marriage helper but it's youtube.com forward slash marriage helper um, google we have a number of things on there through itunes google play that you can look at our podcasts um, and not just what you've seen recently but but many 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 resources they'll be able to pull up on those kinds of things mm-hmm. that you want to check out um, of course you can visit us online at www.marriagehelper.com we'd love for you to call us here at our office if we can offer assistance be aware that uh, our, our the folks who answer our phones are not coaches, they're not counselors, no, and unfortunately, no. they're not going to be able to help you or give you advice. But their job is 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 they're kind of like a traffic cop. They're going to direct you to the right people to help you at the stage they are. Right. And if you could understand that, that way your expectations will yeah, be. Yeah, because sometimes they get uh, like people calling in thinking it's a hotline. Yeah. And as you said, they're mostly triage. I'll, I'll help you get to the right person, the right resource, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just take calls and direct people. That's that was it. a good way to say that. That's it. Thanks for coming on with me again, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate that. Fun. I appreciate the invite to be here. Now, I wish you could be here every week. Of course, well, you good. got me it's working. now your program. No, you no. You've got me working everywhere, and I just want to say thanks again. Uh, my my life has been impacted so much by uh, your story and Alice's story. Shannon and I um, have a, uh, an amazing relationship that uh, you know we never fight, uh, we never disagree. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, I was looking at him like maybe he did drink a fit. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's we have a great relationship because we can fight, we can disagree, exactly. yet do that in respect and add value and emotional connection afterwards to one another. And uh, and we've learned that we practice the principles that we have here. So I just I'm just so grateful to be a part of the organization. I'm so glad you're and, here. Uh, glad to be able to be a part of uh, maybe some encouragement. Well. Jim doesn't even get the weekend off. He's been working nonstop. As a matter of fact, he scheduled knee surgery just to get a day off. That's coming up. Here. <laughs> Happy birthday. Uh, yep, it's Joe's birthday today. He's 29 years old. So. Or, or a uh, multiple thereof. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I have no communication, but yep, happy birthday, Joe. Thank it's you, Joe's Kevin. birthday today. Alice's birthday tomorrow. Yes, my wife's birthday and, tomorrow. Uh, if your friends on Facebook connect with Joe, make sure you stop by and say happy birthday. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Take care. That was, you did extremely well. Your coaching.